Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. How do we live with Easter joy all year long? On this episode, Bishop talks about the importance of remaining hopeful even when we're suffering and our call to love one another as Christ loved us. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, here with our good bishop. Thank you for being here. You're welcome, Kyle. Do you remember what your most joyful memory would be? Oh, my goodness. I've had so many joys in my life. Certainly the days of my ordinations, uh-huh. I would say. Ordination the, to the priesthood. priesthood. And the, well, I'd say all three, diaconate, priesthood, and episcopacy were days of wonderful joy. I remember joyful events in my family, like the weddings of my brother and sister, but also the births of my nieces and nephew and their baptisms. They were highlights for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think the joys of meeting Pope John Paul II and mm-hmm. Mother Teresa and and others, just so many... Uh, yeah, so many blessings in my life. Yeah. yeah, it's good for us to count our blessings. Well, and that's our topic for today is being joyful. And you had a, a homily for your Chrism Mass homily that I thought really was encouraging and challenging and a good reminder for all of us. Thought we could take a look at that. I am joyful that today's sponsor for this episode is Bob Doling. So thank you uh, for your generous support, Bob. And Bishop, do you want to talk a little bit about your Chrism homily and... Yeah. And what inspired you to, to make that about being joyful? Well, first of all, it's very challenging every year to prepare a homily for the Chrism Mass because they're always the same readings and yeah. trying to get, you know, and I try to at least bring in the reading. So I focused a lot this year on the oil itself. Mm-hmm. So I talked about anointing and that comes out in the readings. Like, you know, when Jesus in the gospel said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. Mm -hmm. And the word Christ, the title Christ, means anointed one. And then we were anointed at our baptism and our confirmation. So we share in this anointing of Christ. And it even goes back to the Old Testament where, you know, the anointings of of priests, prophets, and kings. And, of course, the anointing that, that we receive is an anointing by the Holy Spirit. And... When we were baptized and anointed by the Spirit, we were incorporated into Christ. So we're anointed with the sacred chrism. Chrism, you see the word Christ, the anointed one. And when we're anointed, to be anointed is to belong then to Christ and to his kingdom. And we're touched by his Spirit. And we're called Christians, which means basically anointed ones. Hmm. But I made the point, quoting from St. Ignatius of Antioch, who wrote, I wish not merely to be called Christian, but also to be Christian. So I was reminding people and our priests and people at the Chrism Mass the importance of not just being called Christians, but to really be Christians, which means to be in Christ, to think like Christ, to act like him, to love like him, letting him take possession of us and to transform us and free us from the darkness of sin and evil that this is our identity in Christ, that we shouldn't be caught up in worldly ideologies and like we belong to the world more than we belong to Christ and his kingdom. So how do we know if we're really living our anointing? And Mm -hmm. this is where I got into the issue of joy. Mm 
One way to know if we're living our anointing as Christians is if we manifest the joy of the gospel. Scripture calls the oil of anointing the oil of gladness. See that a number of times in the Bible, the oil of gladness. So we've been anointed with the oil of gladness. And when you read the fathers of the church, they taught that the oil of gladness is the Holy Spirit. And think about joy. It's the second fruit of the Holy Spirit. So the Christian should be a man or woman who manifests this joy of the gospel. What's the first fruit is love. Hmm. So you have gladness or joy really follows love. Okay. It's the fruit of love. So love is the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's through love, first of all, that we experience joy and peace ourselves, but that it's through love that we bring joy and peace to others. So all this is connected. So if we're living the anointing that we have received, we bear Christ's love, we're, we spread his light and joy. We don't spread gl- darkness and gloom. I mean, there are too many gloomy Christians. There are angry Christians who don't spread light and joy. They spread anger. And that's a counter witness. That hurts our mission of evangelization. We're called to manifest the joy of following Christ. I mean, who wants to come into a church if everybody's kind of down and, and right. uh, you know, no. We are to spread the joy that comes from our faith in Jesus. And that faith is genuine when it's lived in love. It's interesting when you read the Acts of the Apostles, and all through the Easter season, I love the first readings are all from the Acts of the Apostles. So we learn about the life of the early church. And notice it says in Acts of the Apostles that wherever the disciples were, there was great joy. I mean, that's significant. Wherever the disciples were, there was great joy. Acts chapter 8, verse 8. And even amid persecution, which broke out very quickly, they continued to be filled with joy. They counted it joy even to be sharing the sufferings of Christ. I mean, that sounds crazy. Now, does this sound like something pie in the sky? Obviously, we are not exempt from sorrow in our life. I mean, you know, suffering is part of our life. And sometimes we may not feel that emotion. Of joy. And we can look around and we see the power of sin, the power of evil as a terrible presence in the world. We can look at the war in Ukraine. We think of all the people who are suffering, people oppressed by violence and poverty and war and oppression. But how do we not lose hope or how do we not lose joy? We receive comfort from the love of Jesus on the cross that was victorious, that his, which we see in his resurrection, that we believe that these evils will not prevail. Evil is defeated by the one who suffered with infinite love and who by means of the cross accomplished the work of our salvation. Because Jesus did what he was anointed to do. He fulfilled the mission that the Father sent him to accomplish. So when he was dying on the cross, what did he say? He said, it is finished. It is accomplished. In other words, his mission 
evil did not prevail. Goodness overcame evil. Love was victorious over hate. The Father raised him from the dead. So that gives us hope. That gives us joy, even in the midst of difficult trials and sufferings, including the ultimate trial, which is earthly death. Yeah. So again, we should bear witness to this love that is more powerful than death. And of course, it means that we, to be Christian, that we are moved by compassion at the suffering of others, that we seek to overcome evil with goodness, to love one another as Christ has loved us. And in doing so, we spread the oil of gladness. We're living our anointing. This is what we were anointed to do when we were baptized and confirmed. And we manifest that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, who was anointed by the Holy Spirit. In the Chrism Mass homily, I talked also about how this applies to priests, because at, at ordination to the priesthood, a man's hands are anointed with the sacred chrism, and at right. a ordination of a bishop, his head is anointed with the sacred chrism, mm. and that too is the oil of gladness. So I, I talked also about the joy of being priests and the joy of being a bishop. Again, that doesn't exempt us from sorrow. It doesn't exempt us from suffering. But that inner joy, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, can be preserved even in the midst of suffering because we know that Christ is with us, that he is near us, and that ultimately he will be victorious and that suffering will end and every tear will be wiped away. So I also want to point out that Pope Francis, did you notice that three of his major documents, apostolic exhortations, all have the word joy in them, the title. Huh. I mean, the first one, which he talks about it the most, maybe after a break we can talk about his apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel. Right. I mean, that was the first, and, and that's where he really gets into it, and I think it's beautiful. But then when he wrote about marriage and family life and wrote the apostolic exhortation after the two synods on the family, what's the title? The joy of love. Amoris Laetitia, huh. the joy of love. And there he focuses on the joy of love experienced by families. And he says that that joy is also the joy of the church. And then he wrote another apostolic exhortation on the call to holiness in today's world. Perhaps this is less known by people, but I, I really like this apostolic exhortation of Pope Francis. It's called Gaudete et Exultate which means rejoice and be glad. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus ta talks about the persecuted or those who are persecuted for his sake or mm -hmm. humiliated for his sake, he says to them, you will rejoice and be glad. Mm -hmm. Again, this is kind of paradoxical. You know, this is true life. This is the happiness which we were created. We were, he wants us to be saints, this call to holiness. And there's just the joy of holiness. When you think of the joy of the saints, I think of the joy of Mother Teresa. And she went through the dark night of the soul, but she still maintained, she still had that joy yeah. that came from her closeness to the Lord, the joy of faith. She did not lose the joy of the gospel. None of the saints did, mm -hmm. even the martyrs. So really, sin brings misery and mm -hmm. grace brings joy. It, Made me think of, did you ever watch Star Wars? 
Yeah, I wasn't a big fan, but I did see a couple. Oh, you mean the TV show or the movies? The movies. The movies. I saw a couple yeah. of them, yeah. Uh, Yoda has a quote that says, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. It almost sounds like you're saying the opposite, that, mm. you know, that love leads to joy. I don't know what other things might be there along the way, but like you said, not to avoid suffering, like those saints all endured suffering, but they still had joy in that suffering. They weren't mm-hmm. consumed by it, maybe. Right, right. Yeah. Because C- their faith remained, uh-huh. remained strong. And that faith also hope. In other words, they didn't despair in their suffering. They had hope. And there's this connection between when you have hope, you have joy. Right. All right. Well, I have more I want to ask about that. But before we do, I invite you to ask a question. You can text the Holy Cross College text line, 260-436-9598. You can send in your question or a suggestion for a future topic of Truth and Charity. And while you're doing that, we will continue to talk about being joyful and how we can do this and if it can be dangerous. Coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives with products, services, and education. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it back to our members. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop talking about being joyful. You mentioned these uh, different documents from Pope Francis. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from him was a homily that he gave at one point, And he was telling people not to be sour pusses. <laughs> right. I guess like the literal translation was pickled peppers or something like that. <laughs> I know? remember. But that, yeah, we should be joyful. Like you said, if people come into the church, they'd be like, oh, these are joyful people. I want to I be more like them. I want to I know what they've got. Or are they miserable? Are we angry are we bitter are we rude you know right i also do you remember the other quote from pope francis there are christians whose lives seem like lent without easter oh yeah (laughs) so that's the same idea which is very it's the opposite of pope john paul ii's quote of we are an easter people and hallelujah is our song right right. we can't get stuck in lent we are an easter people yes which is what pope francis is saying like we need to be an easter people well, you know, in his apostolic exhortation, you know, his first one, the, the joy of the gospel, the very first sentence is, the joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Jesus. Hmm. Those who accept his offer of salvation are set free from sin, sorrow, inner emptiness, and loneliness. With Christ, joy is constantly born anew. And there's so much truth in that, I think. And then he he does this, he looks through the scriptures, and it's amazing when you read the scriptures, including the Old Testament. The Old Testament abounds about in announcing or predicting the joy of salvation that would come with the Messiah. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that when you read the prophets like Isaiah, Zechariah, and Zephaniah, you know, you hear these things like cry out with joy and all this, you know, exhorting the people I remember in Isaiah, he says, shout aloud and sing for joy. So it's this 
this invitation to exult and to be joyful because of the coming of the Messiah. And of course, that that joy, you know, especially with the coming of the Messiah, with Christ himself. And then when you start reading the New Testament, there's all these invitations to rejoice. I mean, that was the first thing the angel Gabriel said to Mary at the Annunciation. Rejoice. Hmm. You know, we say hail. Right. But I think I talked about this on the show before. The actual Greek is rejoice. That was the angel's greeting to Mary. And then right after the Annunciation, you have the visitation. So you have Mary visiting Elizabeth, which made the unborn John the Baptist leap for joy mm-hmm. in his mother's womb. And then Mary, at the visitation, sings the Magnificat. And what does she sing? My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And Pope Francis, in his exaltation, points out a lot more of these sayings in in the New Testament. Like when Jesus began his ministry, uh, John the Baptist cried out, For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. And St. Luke tells us that Jesus himself rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And remember, he said, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus also said, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And I've already mentioned the Acts of the Apostles. It's just filled with this because it's kind of like the gospel of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the early Christians. Really beautiful. Well, I think like you mentioned in the joy of the gospel, it just kind of goes on and on with all of these different, and you didn't realize like, oh yeah, they're constantly reminding us to be joyful or that we will be joyful. What grade would you give us as Christians on a a scale of one to 10? Like we're really joyful to one, you kind of seem like miserable. I I see both kinds of Christians. Mm -hmm. I think it varies. I I don't want to grade everyone, but but I think that would be judgmental on my part. I mean, we all have bad days. I, there was a bishop who I looked up to, and I won't say his name, but several years, he's deceased now, and and he, he was a great bishop, and he was interviewed near the end of his life, and he said he never had an unhappy day in his life. Now, wow. I cannot relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I've had unhappy days. There are days, you know, where I might be discouraged or whatever. But thankfully, I don't stay in that mm-hmm. stage. But but that's where prayer is important. Mm-hmm. And that's where perseverance through hard times is important. So I don't want to give the impression that it's a life free of sorrow. No. But at the same time, we're always called to, to faith and to hope and to love. And when we are filled with faith, hope, and love, we will have joy, mm-hmm. even in the midst of hardships. So for somebody that is struggling with that and maybe you know, feels like I, I can't find joy or I'm, I'm just constantly frustrated or upset or angry or sad or depressed, and I'm praying, but that doesn't seem to help. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think there's can be different causes. Number one, if we're talking about the disease of depression. There could be something chemical mm-hmm. causing it. It could be other things that, you know, they really need professional help, that prayer can help, but they also need other help because there could be a chemical imbalance or other psychological problem that's causing the depression. 
So we don't want to ignore that. We don't want to ignore the physiological. At the same time, we know and evidence shows that things like meditation and prayer help. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one category. Another category, when you mentioned people who are angry, who are, they condemn people, they're, they're mean and they're angry. And I think there's more culpability there, to be honest. In other words, I think there is a straying from the gospel. I question, I think we would question, I don't know if that person is praying, but if their prayer is not bearing fruit in love, it's not really authentic prayer. You know, like, like you have to see the fruits. Otherwise, it's just going through the motions. No. If one is genuinely encountering Jesus, then one, you'll see the fruits in the person's life. So I think that's where sin gets in the way. And I think selfishness, this negative view, negative criticism always of others, that just brings everybody down. Mm. And that is a spiritual problem. It's a real spiritual problem. I mean, think of the Pharisees. Do you think of the Pharisees and the scribes as joyful people? No. No. I mean, all they were doing was, I mean, they were filled with themselves. They were egocentric. They were condemning everybody else. They thought they were perfect. They don't come across as joyful at all. Uh, They weren't because that's not joy. But we have too many Christians who are like that. And that's kind of grown, I think. You know, sometimes I'll read a letter or or receive comments that are like, what, what? this isn't Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, when there's that kind of vitriol, almost hateful kinds of stuff, angry, you know, righteous anger, all of that reveals, I think, a spiritual problem. I mean, maybe there's other things going on in the person's life, you know, possibly, but that's not Christian. Again, one of the signs of genuine Christianity is a joyful spirit. And maybe we should have started this whole thing with defining joy because one of the risks I think could be that people equate that with pleasure mm-hmm. or being comfortable. And that's that's not the same thing. Can you explain? Yeah. I mean, joy is happiness, but on a deeper level, I'd say. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's it's a feeling of, or feeling, it's an attitude that's, intimately connected with peace and serenity and it's an attitude of hope so there's various ways i don't know if i can give a direct example but it's not mere pleasure it's not mere pleasure because the pleasures of you know a good glass of wine or a great meal or you know experiencing going to a, a sporting event that one loves. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things give us happiness, give us pleasure. There are other things that give pleasure that are harmful to us, mm-hmm. but these are not harmful things unless taken to an extreme. So we have, they bring pleasure and they bring a level of happiness and that's good, but they're not deep. I mean, how happy and joyful are you a week after your favorite team wins some mm-hmm. championship? I mean, You're not as joyful as you were or happy as you were when they won. I mean, those are not lasting. Whereas joy is lasting. Mm -hmm. Joy, it's it's deeper. You know, when we think about heaven, where we talk about eternal joy and peace, 
total fulfillment of our human desires. And that comes in love because it's communion with God in heaven. The fulfillment of all our desires, just experiencing this perfect love. And, and that's true joy. So the most joyful moments on earth, in my mind, are where we experience love, giving and receiving love. I mean, I think when, when I look back now at what you asked me at the beginning, some of the most joyful times in my life, well, they're all connected to love, mm. the love of family, the love of, of the church, all instruments of the love of God, really, in our lives. Is it because love and joy are both connected to our spirituality, to the eternal, and happiness and pleasure is an earthly thing? And so they may or may not be connected. Like you, you can have joy and pleasure at the same time, or you can have joy and suffering at the same time. They're, they're, I think that's a good way of putting yeah. it. I think there are certain earthly joys that are channels of that deeper jo spiritual joy. Mm -hmm. Marriage, for example. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, is, is the joy of love. But it's not going to always be romantic love. Right. It's going to be something deeper mm -hmm. than romance, you know, because it's been a union that has matured through self-sacrifice, through pain that's been shared things like that. So goes through kind of the crucible of suffering. All right. Well, anything that you would encourage people to read? I, you mentioned the, the writings of Pope Francis. Is there a good, Well, I think good the first chapter of his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, the joy of the gospel, is probably the one that focuses the most on, on joy. In one of the chapters, he talks about different temptations and one of them is the temptation to a sterile pessimism. Hmm. He says that we should say no to a sterile pessimism. I like that very much. When we confront problems, we should look upon them in our life, to look as, at them as challenges that can help us to grow. I'm not talking about a naive optimism, no. But to have that hope, you know, we, we need to be convinced that in the end, love will triumph, God will triumph, the victory. So we have to have confidence in this. Okay, we see our own frailties, we see that things aren't perfect. Victory is always through the cross, but in the end, the cross will, will be victorious. And I think that's really important. We shouldn't let anyone or anything rob us of our hope and our joy. Well, Bishop, I've always found you to be a joyful person, and I've always enjoyed being around you. So, Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for sharing your joy with us. You're welcome. Thank you. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.